Welcome to Life Church. We are an ex 242 community, a family on a mission to bring the life of Jesus to Warrington. We hope you're ready to hear what God has to say to you today through His Word and by His Spirit. Right, a um, couple of things. Firstly, we're going to start a new series uh, this week for the next five or so weeks, and it's called Cleaning House. And so we're going to talk about cleaning house. Now, you might look at me and think I am not an expert at cleaning house. And that would be judgmental and harsh. Don't worry, we're going to get to repentance later on. So if you've got that, just just be aware you can let that judgment go later. We'll give you the opportunity. But I was speaking to Matthew, wherever Matthew is, uh, last week. And I said, what are you doing? There he is. He had his head down. There you hide from me, sir. And so I said, what are you doing this week? And he said, well, tomorrow I've got a vacuum. I've got a mop. I've got to do the laundry. I hate that. (laughs) Isn't that right? So we're going to have a quick discussion of what is the worst cleaning house job out there. So these are some of your most common ones. What is the worst? Toilets. Toilets? Cleaning the oven? Bins. Bins is a good one. That's We're writing that off. Bins is fine. Toilets, oven, anything worse? Dishes, dishes is fine. Uh, So, let me tell you, uh, so toilets is fine as well. Um, I think the oven is fine, the oven's tough. Oven I'll give you, it's tough. The correct answer is mowing the lawn. Mowing the lawn is the worst job in the world. I hate mowing the lawn, I hate it so much. And so I'm mowing the lawn today or tomorrow because I've been putting it off for approximately five months now. So uh, it is the worst job in the world and so I like laundry, I do laundry a lot, that's kind of uh, one of the things I'm quite good at it. Not so good at putting the sheets back on the bed. Um, Team Della, we slept last week for four days with no sheets in the bed. They were clean, we just couldn't be bothered. And so uh, we were grown ups living our best life. And so we're going to look at what it is like to clean house properly and not do half a job. And so we're going to talk about those kind of things. And so. My volunteers, I've got some volunteers to do something weird for me. So for young people, volunteers who've been prepped, if you can just storm forward. Come on, Levi. Come on, Jabez, if you can take that table over there. That's right. Up there. Come on, Will. That's right. So take your, take your stand over there. The young people, they kind of don't like being in. So I said they can play a game during the preach. So, uh, so that's good on them. Um, we're going to build this kind of preach around the concept of Jenga. You all know what Jenga is. Uh, where it's a game. And if you get bored of me, you just watch the, the action at my side. Lindsay said, is this going to be a distraction? And it absolutely is going to be a distraction. I'm sure we're going to regret it very quickly. So just one at a time. But begin. You can begin. But um, one at a time and try and do it quietly. And so uh, good stuff. So we're going to look at what it is to kind of build our life on the right things. And we've heard loads of stories today about people who had different ways of building their lives on, whether it's other religion, whether it's other kind of following of rules, whether it's being kind of normal, whatever it is that doesn't work, we know what it is to build our lives on things that aren't God and actually put ourselves into trouble. And we're gonna look at this in the concept of uh, ancient Israel. So if you're following in the Bible, we're gonna look at Exodus 32. Exodus 32 is one of the famous kind of parts of the Bible about idols. But this is something that affected Israel for ages. You know, they lived in a time where everybody had their own little idol, their own little personal God. And so we're going to see a time where they build their own idols 
But this wasn't something they just did once. We're going to see something over these five weeks that happens again and again, where they just kind of go, right, what if we build our lives on something else? Okay, no mistake so far. I'm about to read the Bible. So if you could not knock the tower down while we're reading the Bible, that would be good. Uh, but if, if it happens, it happens. So, Exodus 32, verses 1 to 8. And then it says, When the people saw Moses was so long coming down from the mountain, they gathered round Aaron and said, Come, make us gods who will go before us. Yeah. As for this fellow, Moses, who brought us out of Egypt, we don't know what's happened to him. Aaron answered them, Take off the gold earrings that your wives, your sons and daughters are wearing. Bring them to me. So all the people took off their earrings and brought them to Aaron. He took what they had handed him and made it into an idol cast in the shape of a calf, fashioning it with a tool. Then they said, These are your gods, Israel, who brought you up out of Egypt. When Aaron saw this, he built an altar in front of the calf and announced, Tomorrow there will be a festival to the Lord. So the next day the people rose early and sacrificed burnt offerings and presented fellowship offerings. Afterwards they sat down to eat and drink and got up to engage in reverie. Then the Lord said to Moses, Go down, because your people, who you brought out of Egypt, have become corrupt. They've been quick to turn away from what I commanded them. They've made themselves an idol cast in the shape of a calf. They've bowed down to it, sacrificed it, and said, These are your gods, Israel, who brought you up out of Egypt. And so this is a few months after they've been rescued from slavery. Just a few months out of Egypt. And they've already been moaning, saying, Man, it would be easy to be in Egypt. Oh, I'm just saying that you waited till the end of the Bible. I mean, I asked for the best Jenga players that we had, and uh, you know, to be fair, that is a bit of a shaky table. It's okay. You just you can uh, you've you've proved a bit of a point. So thank you. Once you've played that, you can stay there. You guys keep going. We've got a professional Jenga table over there, and that is what we like to see. I wanted one of you to still be going at this point, so that is good. And so we're going to see. This passage is so easy to look at the people of Israel and go, man, they've only just been rescued from slavery. How quickly have they kind of looked around and turned? And yet, one thing I would say is in this story, we are probably not Moses. We are probably not the people who get to come down and go, man, look at the rest of these people in a mess. When I read this story, I think, where am I? I'm probably one of the Israelites, just a little bit panicked, a little bit scared. And instead of turning to God first, I think, what can I find? What can I grab that will make uh, a difference? And so we're going to see the first thing we're going to talk about is that um, trying to add on to God weakens our foundations. Much like a Jenga tower, this is the point. We all know the game Jenga. You take something out the bottom, you add it on. But gradually, yeah. bit by bit, the tower gets weaker and weaker. Okay, we know that. We know that's the, the deal. And I think that many of us, when we become Christians, we know that we're broken. We know that we've got kind of almost no hope. We've got nothing to offer. And God accepts us as we are. Yeah. You know, and we kind of come to God in that stage, you know, almost in a great place where our life is a little bit like the Eliza and being Jonathan Tower, uh, where quite quickly it's fallen apart, we've got rubble. And we say, God, will you just make something new out of me? And he does. But then I think as a Christian, what we can then do is go, right, quite good at this life now. I'm quite good at this. So what I could do is I could just start adding a couple of bricks myself. God, don't worry, I've got this. And it starts with, you know, kind of good things. It can start with things like, well, I'm at a good church. So I build my hope on the people in the church. And I can get a good job. And I've got good people around me. And all these things start well. 
and they start good. But the further away we get from needing that foundation to be built on God, the more shaky we know things can become. And Israel, when they were in Egypt, they knew they had nothing. They had no hope. They needed God. But now they're free. And they're looking around going, well, I don't even know where this this Moses guy that they say, this Moses guy, you know, the... Remember Moses, you know, a few months ago, took us through a sea. Oh, yeah, I think I do, yeah. We don't even know where he is. Yeah. Well, he's up a mountain with God. You could probably trust him. But immediately they go, oh, man, what can we do? And they reach for something that will kind of work for them and what they think. And then we hear one of the worst excuses of all time. So have you got verse 22, Linz? Um, have we got that from Aaron? And so Moses comes down and he says to Aaron, like, seriously, Aaron, you're in charge of this rabble. What's going on? Yeah. And Aaron comes up with this. Don't be angry with me, my lord, Aaron answered. You know how prone these people are to evil. They said, make us gods or go before us. As for this fellow Moses who brought us out of Egypt, we don't know what's happened to him. That's true, sort of, for now. So I told them, whoever has any gold jewelry, take it off. Then they gave me the gold, I threw it into the fire. And out came a calf. <laughs> I mean, whoa there, Aaron. Whoa there, Aaron. You could run for politics in 2022 yeah, Britain, right? That is right. And so uh, that, is the, that is the BC equivalent of, I didn't know it was a party, right? That is the equivalent of, I didn't realise it was a party, right? I just didn't know. And he just put it in, just a calf. Just a calf happened. It's not on me. And I think sometimes... I read the Bible and go, man, aren't I glad I'm not like the Israelites? Aren't I glad that we don't have idols these days? Aren't I glad that it's not like me? And as soon as Moses comes down and says, Aaron, what have you done? The natural thing is, yeah, but it's not me, it's them. Yeah. And I don't want to be somebody who goes, it's not me, it's them. In verse 9 in this passage, God says about the Israelites, they're stiff-necked people. Yeah. Uh, they really struggle to, to turn around. And Lindsay preached last week on what it was to love the people around you. And it's very easy to say, yeah, but I do enough because I have the young people, we have the students, we have the... And it would be very easy to go, yeah, but that doesn't apply to me, Linz, because I'm doing enough. And I tell you, this week I had to put stuff in place in my life to say, God, will you challenge me so that I'm stirred and moved by the things that you would be moved by? I don't want to be a stiff-necked people. I don't want to be somebody who doesn't kind of change. But I think the people knew that trusting God was hard. You know, Moses has gone, he's their representative, and they don't know what to do. And so they have to wait. But waiting is tough, right? Yeah. Waiting is hard. Yeah. Because what we want to do is make it happen. Yeah. You know, and that's the whole point of building this is, how can I make it happen? What can I do? And they look around, they see what other nations do and go, right, maybe we could do that. And me and Lindsay refer to it as living in the grey, where it's just a bit foggy, yeah. you can't see what's next. And it's just hard, and sometimes you just have to keep trusting in God and staying with him. But that feels like it's not enough, right? It feels like, well, can I get there quicker? Is there something more that I can do? So what we do is we reach for good things. We reach for good things. This is still going, isn't it? Um, so this is a good effort. Yeah, so we reach for kind of, yeah, things. Oh, that looks shaky, doesn't it? That looks shaky. I'm just going to stand there. And just, there's a lot of pressure on you. Anyway. No, no worries about everybody Uh, that is youth pastor in 101 right there. And so um, let me say, sometimes, 
Sometimes life is unfair. Sometimes life is... I'm really sorry, Levi. That is a, that is a horrible... Ho I, let me just say thank you for that team for still yeah, going. Because yeah, yeah. I needed that. I needed you to still be going. This team, this team, I wasn't able to destroy your tower. You did it yourselves. Yeah. So, you know, sometimes we bring ourselves pain, Eliza and Jonathan and B. But sometimes life comes at us and it's unfair. Like sometimes I know what it is to kind of think, right, I'm doing okay, I've got a good job, I've done this. And then you just get blindsided by something. And you think, but God, I'm doing everything that I should be doing. And life just blindsides you and you realize, like, what is my foundation? Where is it built on? What if I was to lose my job? What if I was to lose my house? What if I was to lose people? And what do you have left? You know, there's been so many times where I have created myself pain and there's so many times when life has just come to me and it's just blown me apart. And sometimes when you look at it and go, well, what is left? Actually, when I look back now, I think, I might not have had a lot, but these are really precious times when it made me realize that actually, what have I got? I've still got God. I've still got this foundation built on a God who tells me who I am. Yeah. And, uh, and that is the journey that my mum is walking through now. She, uh, my dad passed away a, a month or so ago now, and she, she was young when they started dating. Uh, depending on how scandalous the rumors are, she was either 15 or 17. So she was very young when they started dating, and she is 65 now. So she's got to go into this whole world that's so different from the last time that she was alone. Yeah. But do you know what she has? She has this relationship with God, and that doesn't mean things become easy, but it means that actually she goes, right, okay, God, what does it mean for me and you to walk through this together? And she really is at that, this is my foundation, because the person that I've been stood next to for years isn't there anymore. And she realizes that actually, there's good things in her life, but ultimately the thing that sustains, as we've seen from the people getting baptised, that is the thing that we want to build our foundation on, this relationship with God. The next thing that we've got, that we see in the Israelites, they want to be like everybody else. You know, it's so easy to look around at other people and feel life is easy for them, right? Like, um, if you've got, we're talking about cleaning house. Some of you might have one of these. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Some of you might get to do this in your life. And so there it is. Just imagine, apparently you can get them for mowing the lawn. Oh, I can't justify that expenditure, but just imagine the joy it will bring to my life. And so, um, but there it is, these, you know, robot vacuum cleaners. No, look at that. I was going to ask, who here's got a robot vacuum cleaner? But I won't, because we'll all judge you because we're all jealous. All right, so uh, I saw a few hands go up, which is very good. You, there's a good chance we're gonna mug you. There's a good chance. Um, because what most of us do is go, man, it must be easy to be you. Like, because most of us are kind of clashing around with this kind of thing, getting really frustrated because it's not picking things up. And what we want to do is sit down, press a button, and it clean for us. You know, we want to do that, and I think, we sometimes can look and go, well, their life seems easy. They seem like they've got it all together. It's fine for them. And actually, Israelites were kind of doing that. They were saying, well, everybody else has idols. Why won't we do that? And this is something that, as we're going to see these weeks, happens again and again. They do it here, but they're going to do it in 1 Samuel. We've got some verses up. Um, and they say, we want a king. All right, Samuel, we want a king. We haven't had a king before. And then... Samuel says, seriously, if you have a king, they're going to mistreat you. You're going to become slaves. It's going to be terrible for you. And then they say this. No, we want a king. Then we shall be like all the other nations. So and the whole point of what Moses is doing, and this is obviously a, quite a bit after the Moses story, 
But the thing is, they want it to be like everybody else, right from the start where we're seen in Exodus. And that stays with them over and over again. This desire of, can't we just be like everybody else? You know, and it ruins them as they just want to be like everybody else. And Moses is up there getting these kind of Ten Commandments. And the whole point is that Israel is supposed to be different. And the point of us as Christians is that we're supposed to be different. Yeah. And sadly, I think at times that means it's supposed to be tough. Yeah. I just think it's supposed to be hard. Jesus says, there's a narrow path. Yeah. You know, and Jesus says, but I'll be with you. As Dave said, that you go through the deep waters, I'll be with you. He doesn't say, I'm going to get rid of those waters. He says, you might go through them, yeah. or you will go through them. But I'll, I will be with you. And that is the promise yeah. uh, that we get. Very good. And I know what it is to, to kind of look around and to just kind of decide, oh, what do I want to be? I want to be like everybody else. I didn't want to stand out. I didn't want to go to church as a teenager. I just wanted to be the same as everybody else. And when I was in uh, Lincolnshire Showground at the age of 16, probably I'd become a Christian really about a year before. And I'd been doing my best and I wasn't very good at it. And then I was 16 and I really wanted to be like all the lads, the cool people that I knew. And I just thought, firstly, I want to be like them because I'm cool. Secondly, there was a girl, let's just be honest, there was a girl called Becky Heath. And let me tell you, Becky Heath, she's incredible. She is uh, the second prettiest girl that I ever kissed. And so, uh, that's right. Oh, no. Don't worry, Linz. They've all assumed that you were the first. They assumed it. It's fine. Oh, that is... Coming back at me later, everybody. If anybody wants me for dinner, that uh, seems like that might be happening now. So, Becky Heath was incredible. Like, she was really pretty. And so we went to this place in the Lincolnshire showground where this Christian event was on, a bit like we're taking our young people in the summer. And I found myself sitting outside of this tent. Why? Because that's where the cool kids were. And so I sat outside with these guys, and these guys were smoking cannabis, and I wasn't smoking cannabis because I was so obsessed with being a professional footballer. Spoiler alert, I did not make that. And so, uh, but I was just like, I don't want to do any of this, but I do want to chat up Becky Heath. And as it was going on, this guy came out of the tent, and he just sat with us and said, oh man, this song that's playing. And it was a song called Obsession. And in the lyrics of this song, it's just this song where this guy's kind of saying, God, sometimes you're close, sometimes you're far, and it's confusing, but my heart burns for you. Yeah. And as this song just kind of went on, I just felt God almost as clear as I've ever felt God say something to me, saying, you could choose any life you want, like, but you are different. Yeah. And as I was there looking at these guys and looking at this, I was like, what am I doing with my life? I don't want this. I'm sat there thinking, this is what I could be offered, all of these things, and I was like, I know who I am. I know what God's done in me, and I know I need to be different. And as soon as I stopped taking my eyes off those people, I needed to refocus them again on God and say, God, oh man, will you just change me and make me new? Now, I wish my story was over the last, that was, when I was 16. So that was nearly 20 years ago, right? And so, (laughs) I sometimes get away with that with the youth because they just think everyone's old. So they don't do the maths for you. So yeah, fine, it was more than 20 years ago, shut up. And so, um, so I, was, I wish I could say my story has always been that I've stopped looking around and I just focused my eyes on God the whole time. Let me tell you, I have to do it again yeah. and again yeah. and again and yeah. again. Right. You know, it's this great verse in Hebrews and it says this. Um, so Hebrews 12. I'll just wait for the. I'll just wait for the people. Thanks, everybody. Don't worry, Godwin and Lindsay. It's, uh, let us know when you're finished. We'll we'll get there. So in Hebrews 12, it says this. 
Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. And let us run out with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith. For the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross, scorned its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. And that's that fix our eyes on Jesus yeah. section. You know, and it sounds basic, but we need to do it over and over and over again. Like a couple of weeks ago, I met my housemates from university. All of them, we did the same course, we lived in the same disgusting student house, we got the same degree, we went to the same job, and now all of them have probably got tens of millions of pounds. And it's sometimes hard to kind of look at it and go, oh man, wouldn't it be nice, you know, to have all this stuff? And it's so easy to look around and go, oh, what have I done? What if I could be like them? And I have to be reminded, but man, I wouldn't trade the young people of this church for tens of millions of pounds. I mean, most of them. So I mean, a couple of, let's be honest, a couple of them for tens of millions, I could be tempted. And so, but of course, I don't want to do that. But in those moments, I say, oh God, well, what if I've missed, you know, I could have done this and that. But actually, I'd rather have a life that knows God and he's after him. Cool. But I have to fix my eyes again and again. And so the final truth is the cleaning house, and I am landed here, don't worry, cleaning house restores us. You know, and it, it might seem like a massive effort. We don't want to do it. None of us want to clean the oven. None of us want to put the sheets back on the bed. But when you see in that bed with the clean sheets, it's good, isn't it? It feels good. It feels good to be in the freshly washed sheets rather than no sheets at all. It feels good to look out the garden and know it's actually been mowed. You know, but we kind of stand one side of it thinking, this will be so much hard work. But actually, we know what it is to live in that cleanliness. Now, we need to do that in our lives, but over and over again. I can't mow the lawn tomorrow and that be done for the year. Like, that would be incredible, but it doesn't happen. You know, like, it just doesn't happen. Yeah. So I need to do it again and again, and I need to be constantly saying, God, where have I put my eyes? Where have I looked at other people? Or where have I looked to myself to fix things? Yeah, and I need to fix my eyes again and again and again. I'm going to finish with the Dave Aikerman story. I'm doing it. And so uh, this, this is Dave Aikerman. He, he wrote this series. And so I used to live with Dave Aikerman. And uh, spoiler alert, it's about to get disgusting. And so Dave Aikerman, he's a lovely man, but he wouldn't half block a toilet. Dave Aikerman was a problem. And so, and it was, it was, this is genuinely one of the greatest experiences of my life. And I include getting married. It's just below getting married to Lindsay. It's right there. And he blocks the toilet, and I was like, what are we going to do here? And we had, we had a plunger, we did all the normal things, but Dave is a superhuman problem. And so therefore, what we were like, what are we going to do? And we Googled it, and we found a thing called a sonic plunger, which is like, it's, it's, it's actually fancier than that. Um, but it's like a gas canister with a funnel. Like, it is like, it is insane. They're quite expensive, but they're worth every penny. And so you, what you have to do is fill the toilet up, so it's real gross, real horrible stuff, a uh, real terrible business going on right here. And then you put this gas canister in with a funnel and then you like hammer it down and then what can only be described as magic happens because something happens, everything shakes and then it just disappeared. I was like, that's the coolest thing I've ever seen. Dave, can you block the toilet again? Because <laughs> that was incredible. And I, and I was like, this is amazing. And every now and then he would block the toilet. I'd be like, yeah, let's get it, Dave. I'll pay for the plunger. I'll pay for the plunger. 
And so sometimes we wish that that was kind of what life is. And sometimes cleaning house means we have to unpick things and it can take us months. But sometimes when we come to Jesus, it's instant. And I wish I could promise you it would always be instant. And there are things in my life that I could tell you God set me free from in a moment. I could tell you a day where something happened and it never happened again. But I could also tell you there's other things that I come back to again and again and again. And so we finish with, um, yeah, just the questions of what we have. Like, what idols do we have? We don't think about that in 2022. But what couldn't you lose? What, if it was taken away from you, would really ruin your identity? You know, what is there? Because I can tell you, like, and please don't think that as me saying, what are you guys struggling with? Uh, I, I have asked this question this week a lot, and it is a difficult question. And like, what is it that's too precious? What am I putting my hope in that takes the place of God? And if you're struggling with that, maybe the other question is, where do you want to be like everybody else? Where are you looking around and thinking, man, if only I could be more like them. You know, if only I could be more like them. And so this couple of weeks ago, um, I went to a, a kind of an awards thing. And um, yeah, one of the things that I'd struggle with at work is this feeling of kind of being quite a nearly man. Like when I... Um, when my dad passed away, we looked through his belongings, there's a report card there. And the report card said, Dell's quite, well, didn't say Dell, said Adam. He's quite, said he's quite clever, but he doesn't try hard. He's not as good as he could be. And I was like, that's quite a weird thing to keep, Dad. Appreciate it. You maybe keep something nice. I did get a degree, but you know, keep that one if you want. And it feels like that story would kind of go through my work where like, yeah, he's good, but he's not quite good enough. And he's not quite there, and he's not quite there. And that feeling of disappointment and carrying that around. And you know what? The danger is, what I could do is, well, if I could just achieve, maybe this tag of nearly man and nearly being enough, if I just do this, maybe I can solve it. And a couple of weeks ago, I went to this awards thing and it was about to win an award for being a lecturer. And there was this part of me that thinks, man, maybe if I win it, I can say to all the people who've said this in my time, oh, he's good, but ah, stuff you. Look at this, I can win. I can be the best. Well, spoiler alert, I didn't win. And so, uh, but, do you know what? The thing is, I hold these things and say, well, that's a block. If I can fill that hole and say, well, if I can just win an award, if somebody tells me I'm good enough, maybe I'll think I'm good enough myself. Let me tell you, that's a fake block. That is never going to get me there. So just this week, I had to say, okay, God, that is a problem in my life. That, yes, I want to work out, I want to do my best. But if I need someone to say, hey, you're the best, then I've got a problem. And so I had to kind of come back to God. And so um, we're going to have the band to play some music. I know time is gone. But at the front, on our Jenga blocks, we have the verse written from there about fixing our eyes on Jesus. Just as a reminder, I'm going to keep that in my office. So when I work at home, I'm just going to have it there. Just a reminder that what is my life being built on? What am I letting take the place of God? And so as they just finish and the cafe opens... I'll just encourage you just to come up and just grab a block and just keep it with you. And so just as a reminder that we don't want to be people who build on anything else other than being built on God. So God, we thank you that, yeah, that you are the only one that can give us a firm foundation. We thank you for the stories that we've heard today of people whose lives you've transformed. And God, we ask that you would forgive us for the times that we try and do it without you, for the times that we want to be like everybody else. And help us to to know what it is to return to you and build our lives on nothing but you. Amen.
We've come to the end of this week's message. We hope you've been impacted and inspired. Keep up to date with everything that's happening by visiting our website at www.lifechurchwarrington.com.